0: The tops of the heights of the city, whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, "Come and eat my food, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake your folly and live, and proceed in the way of understanding." In James 3:17. But the wisdom from above is pure, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy.
1: Good morning. Everybody's smiling this morning to be in the house of God. David says, I'm always happy when they say, Let's go to the house of God. Amen. I want to give thanks to all our church family, especially those who work so hard to make everything happen here those behind the backstage, especially those who lead in music. I thank God that God never gave me responsibility to sing because it's quite a lot of work. Most of them have to come here by 7 o'clock, begin to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. It's a lot of work. So we want to thank all of us who really work so hard to make us to be a family of so can you bow your head in prayer with we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We ask you to speak your word. We ask you to say something to each and every one of us this morning. You know our burdens. You know our needs. You see every different face and all the faces that are here. You know those that are down and those who are in tears and those who their lives have been turned upside down. You know those who come this morning hoping that God will say something to them. I am just ash and dust. I'm nothing. Without you Lord they will go home to where they came. But I trust you You who have said that you use things that are neglected, things that are common, to confront those things that are wise. So, Lord, this morning I pray, I humble myself before you, that you may say something to your family. Yes, Lord, say something this morning. Speak to them, Lord. Let something be said to one or two people this morning. Say something to them, Lord, so that when they leave this family today, they will be glad to say, Lord, thank you. You touched my life. Have your way this morning. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen. For the past three Sundays, you'll be seeing our bulletin. You know, I'm a kind, if in our church in Nigeria, if I get to Nigeria today, some of the people, young men, young women, some who were born into my hand, those who I dedicated to the Lord, there is something I've said to them over the years, 20 years plus. When I still go home today, they will say, I still remember what you told me, what you said that day on our wedding, on our child dedication, on the burial ceremony. I still remember. So I am a type of a person who wants to make an impression in one's life, no matter whether by gesture or by joke or by something like this. But I just want you to remember something about Churchill, something he said to you. And so you will be enjoying having our, even though it has not been a good week for my lady because she doesn't like our. Amen? So thank you this morning for one who did this Broadway. Thank you for doing this for all this morning. And thank you, Bro Bill, for reading the scripture for us. Now, when I started this teaching on wisdom, this teaching has six series. For, the, for the, first, the past three Sundays, I'd only be dealing with one series, just one. And so the remaining part of it will go back to vote. Maybe as the Lord grant me the grace again, give me opportunity to share with you. I will go back again to the vows and then finish part of this teaching. So last Sunday. We saw that we are not void of knowledge. We saw that we have too much knowledge. But there is no much application of that knowledge because we lack wisdom. And we also say the church is like a hospital. When you are sick, you get up to go see a doctor or go to a clinic. When you go down there, you want your doctor to do something to get you better, so you come back home. And When you come back home healthy with all your prescriptions, with all the diagnosis or whatever the, your doctor tells you, you feel, yes, I am really happy. My doctor is a good doctor. So I say that church is like a hospital. There are a lot of wounded people around our community. Sometimes when people are hurting, they want to go to church. Or do they want to pray? Then I said, how will it be that all these wounded people, when they come to our church, like this morning, and maybe hoping that by the time they leave the church, God is going to say something to them then by accident or out of lack of wisdom, a word goes out from this altar. Because each time we are here, we are firing a bullet, we are firing a bullet. But we want to make sure that these bullets are bullets that brings healing, We are fishermen, we are not hunters. Hunters want to get their meat dead. But a fisherman wants to catch his fish alive and bring it home and clean it up. And so God has made us to be fishermen. And so when we speak from here, me or anyone, our announcers, whoever comes to this place, that what we say from here matters so much. We don't want to wound somebody that has been already been wounded because Jesus said, if any of you will offend this little one, you see, it's, uh, the best thing for the person to do is to do what? To hang a stone, a grinding stone on his neck and go and drown in the water because we wound somebody and that can happen. Why? Because there was no wisdom that was applied by that word. So, wisdom is very important to whatever we do. We also say that church has not changed. What the church was when Christ was here is still what church is today. The problem they had the same problem we are having today. But what continues to change is the way the early church, the way they handle their problems, to compare with us today who are New Testament church, the way we try to solve problems. Because church is a spiritual thing. Sometimes you want to use human wisdom. It doesn't work that way. Because Church is something spiritual. And so, men who ran this race before us in Old Testament, but in New Testament, you see that most of them who did well were men or women who approached God in this act of wisdom, understanding how God works in the life of man. And so, that was what I said last Sunday. Thank you bro Bill for your text this morning. I have loved this text so much. You've we'll been reading it for the past three Sundays. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 1 to 6 says, "Wisdom has built her house." I said that wisdom, Bible didn't say money has built a house. Power has built a house. Knowledge has built a house. No, it said wisdom has built a house. And a house can be spiritual house, could be a physical house. What do I mean by spiritual house? It can be a church like this. We all need wisdom. Our leaders need wisdom. Our Sunday school teachers need wisdom. Everyone who comes here needs wisdom. The Bible said that wisdom has done what? Built a house. Even if you have all the whole money, you will have all the resources you need to build a house. You still need wisdom to know how to use that money well. If the wisdom is not applied, you will see that you will have problem in building that house. And so the Bible says that what wisdom has built a house. In James chapter three verse seventeen, where we read, He said, "But wisdom that comes from above is what, if first of all." Pure. So, you see, wisdom comes from above. And he said the wisdom that comes from above is what? It's pure. Who gives this wisdom? It's God. Because it comes from above, it comes from the Father. He said it's the pure wisdom. It's not crafty, it's not the wisdom that exploits, it's not the human wisdom like what you see today in our society. This is what the wisdom of God, because it comes from above, is pure. And there's no way we can be talking about wisdom for these three, four Sundays, without talking about Solomon. In Nigeria, there is an aptitude test or a mock exam. When you are in a primary school, sometimes you take such kind of exams. In that exam, it's a multiple question. I remember, still remember, some of the questions we took when we were in the primary school. They will set a question and they say, as wise as who? They will give all kinds of names there. Then if you are a child that has been raised from, from godly family, from reading the Bible, you will know that it's as wise as Solomon. Solomon, the Bible says, in the whole land of the East, there was no one who was as wise as Solomon. The Bible says, if you bring all the knowledge and wisdom in Egypt together, it says, it can never be compared with the wisdom of Solomon. And so Solomon was a very, very, very wise man. God blessed this young man With the wisdom. Of course, Solomon was born in the house of David, between David and Bathsheba. Solomon, the Bible didn't tell us how Solomon, how old he was when he began to reign, but historical study shows that Solomon was between 20 and 30 years when he became the king in Israel. The Bible didn't tell us how old he was when he died. But from the study we found, it seems that Solomon died at the age of 59. You see, he died as a young man. He didn't get old like his father David. He ruled Israel for only 30 years, lesser than his father David. You will see why. He died so early. He died so long. So shortly after God anointed David the king, God appeared to Solomon on the dream. He said, hey, Solomon, what do you need? What do you want me to do for you? You have been crowned and as a king to rule a country as big as an Israel. What do you want me to do for you? You see, God knows what we need. But sometimes, like in the Bible, if you look at all the miracles Jesus did, some of them, Jesus wants to ask the person, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus knew the man is blind. Jesus knew the man is dumb. Jesus knew all their problems. But he will always ask people, what do you want me to do? God came to Solomon and asked Solomon, what do you want me to do for you? And if you read first King chapter 3, turn with me, 2nd, King, 2nd Kings chapter 3, verse 7 to 13. Second King, first King, I'm sorry, First Kings chapter 3, verse 7 to 13 says, and he said, I am but what? A little child. I do not know how to carry out my duties. Please, therefore, your servants. Please, therefore, give, therefore, your servant an understanding heart to do what? To judge your people, Israel. So Solomon didn't ask wealth, didn't ask any other thing. Of course, his father left him with a massive wealth. And so, as a young man, he knew he needed wisdom to be able to lead people with, as the leaders here. We want you to be praying for us. We need to have wisdom. We need more wisdom to be able to continue to steer the will of our family here, making sure that we are doing what God wants us to do. So Solomon prayed for what? For God's wisdom. And God answered the prayer. You see, God answers prayers. Most of us that are here. You send prayer to our prayer chains. We begin to pray for those situations, and we've seen God answer those prayers. So God answers prayers, and that's why we call on Him, and that's why we pray, and that's why He asks us to pray. And so God answered Solomon's wisdom in verse ten to twelve. He says, "The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked." For wisdom and understanding, I will do what you ask. I will give wise, discerned hearts, so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will ever be. You see, God answered the prayer. He said, I will give you wisdom what you ask, and there will never be anyone who will be compared with you. Do you know what you need this morning? You know what the book of James says? It said, We acts, we do not receive. Why? Because we act out of selfishness. We act we ask immaturely. We act like people who are not godly. Because God, ever before you say it, God knows why you want to say it and why you want to have it. And so here, God said to Solomon, Now I know. You know what you need. And therefore, I'm going to give you that. God granted him wisdom. When you read the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, this is one of the greatest scriptures dreaded by women today, that which was given to Solomon by his mother, Bathsheba. Most of our women here today love the book Proverbs chapter 31 we saw that that book has continued to be a book many of our sisters use in their seminars or in meetings or programs because when you open that book there you will see the treasure where god begins to tell us the value the potentiality the goodness of wives a good wife Her vitality, her strength, her wisdom, her capacity to be able to do what? To be a wife. But Sato said that Solomon's number of women he married demonstrated how far he walked away from his mother's word, godly advice. You see? It doesn't matter what we ask God. God will give you what you ask him. But it's up to me, it's up to you. What do we do with that thing. So God, so Solomon asked God for wisdom, and God gave him the wisdom. So it's up to Solomon not to know what he will use that wisdom to do, whether to serve God, or whether to serve himself, whether to give glory to God, or whether to give glory to Satan. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 31, verse 2 to 3. He said, Listen, my son, listen, son of my womb. Listen, my son, the answer to my prayers do not spend your strength on women. I want you to imagine Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. One night I said to Solomon, my son, come inside. We want to talk. Sit down, my son, sit down. We want to talk. You see, I am your mother. I carry you nine months in my womb. I know what I had to go through when I lost my first husband. I don't know all these stories, but your father David was responsible for his death. He was a king. I know everything that happened here as a wife of David. And so, I was asking God, God, should you give me another son? Should you bless me with a child? I want the child to be what? A godly child. He said, Listen, listen, son of my womb. Listen, my son. The answer to my prayers. Just, I want you to imagine, when my lady was pregnant, when I was this time, during our early time in marriage, all our kids, Every night, we lay hand on the tummy of my wife and be praying for miracle, praying for Miriam, praying for Freeman, praying for Millie Rose, that there will be a godly children, there will be godly men, there will be godly women. That was exactly what Bishop was telling his son, Solomon, saying, listening, ever before you were born, I was praying for you in my womb. I have a passion. That God will give me a godly child. Somebody who will be a role model. He said, Listen, we will see what happened to Solomon. We will see what happened and how he was able to derail from God, from the wisdom of his mother. This will lead us to three failures of Solomon. Failure number one, marriage breakdown. If you read 1 Kings chapter 11 verse 1 to 2, King Solomon however loved many foreign women beside Pharaoh's daughters the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sardinians, the Hittites. They were from Nations about which the Lord had told Israel you must not marry with them because they will surely turn your heart after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. You see how Solomon began to walk away from the prayer? The mom ever, ever prayed when she was in the womb. You see how Solomon began to walk away from the wisdom which God has given to him. Solomon married foreign women. Married from nations. God told Israel, you shouldn't marry. You see, because if you marry from these nations, if you marry from this culture or this tribe, they're going to take you away from you, worshipping your Jehovah God. Our young men and women who are still single, who are still hoping to marry tomorrow. Are you thinking about that? That man, that young girl, that young man, you want to be, you want to give your life to, you want to bring to be part of your family. Have you ever taken time to know what does she believes, What does he believe? What is his relationship with God? Because Solomon here, the wives, the women he married, took him away from God. He didn't only marry one. He married 700 women and he had 300 concubines. Those of us who have one wives <laughs> You know what it takes to have one queen in the house? That's a lot of work. And you know what it takes to have one king in the house? That's a lot of work. Then think about having 700 women and around 300 again. So no wonder he died as a young man. No wonder. I grew up in a polygamous family. I know what it meant. I know how that destroyed my dad. He was always on the run from the family because he had two women in the house, having multiple children, every day fighting, contentions. But thank God for his mercy. So David walked away. Failure number two, lack of empathy on people. If you read Proverbs chapter 31, 8 to 9, you say, Besheba continued his advice to King Solomon. He said, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the right of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge faithfully. Defend the right of the poor and the needy. Did Solomon do that? No. Failure number three. Would tell us that he didn't do that. Figure number three, overburden on taxations. Second first Kings chapter 12, verse 23 says, So the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, Your father Solomon put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke, he put on us. We will serve you. You see, when Rehoboam, the son of David, the son of Solomon, finally became the king, the first thing the Israelites did was to put up a team of leaders to go and talk to Rehoboam, and say, please, your father Solomon overburdened us with heavy taxes. He built all these massive cities. In fact, the Bible tells us that Solomon gave 20 cities away to King Hiram, the man who supplied him the materials he used to build all this empire he built for selfish reasons. If you go around our country, even in Africa, when you see some of all these countries where America put their dollars, support people there, and see the wealth that are in those countries, You can't believe why should we we be supporting a country like this country. But that wealth is in the hands of the few. And Solomon used the money, the wealth, God put into his hand, probably to help his people. He used it on his lavish lavish infrastructures, building empires and kingdoms for himself. You know, a few, about two years ago, I was watching television. I listened to, there was a, a pastor who was on television. He was talking about the budget of his their ministry. He said that the budget for that year was $90 million. That was the budget. And they started telling the people, how that money will be used, he said. That the 1.7 million will be used for weekly service and program. 6.7 million will be spent for church night events, and 25.1 million will be spent on TV ministry. 25.1 million will be spent on TV ministry. I am not judging. A family. No, I can't do that. But what concerns me is in a situation where you have a church that has a budget of 90 million and spending 25.1 million on TV program. Maybe if you go to that church, you may find a family who are struggling to pay for their mortgage. Or a bright young girl, a bright young man. Who want to go to college but the parents cannot afford it you can find all those kind of things it is happening in our own church in Africa you see some pastors who are riding jets flying jets having their Komodo is gold but if you come into that church you see the poor people you see people who are finding it very hard to eat two square meals a day? This is a country where people live by almost a dollar fifty cents per day. Why? It is in the human nature. Greed. What was David's godly wise counsel to Solomon? In 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 2 to 4 says. So be strong as a son. David was telling his son to be what? To be strong as a son. He said, show how brave you are in service. He said, do all things your God requires you. Do all things your Lord requires you. Not something, your own emotions. Because so he had this idea. The Lord said to me that I'm going to build the whole world for him. He said, Do all the things your God requires you. Live the way he wants you. Obey his command and orders. Keep his law and rules. Do everything that is written in the law. Then you will have success in everything you do. And then you will succeed in everywhere you go. That was the wise counsel, David was giving his son Solomon. Did Solomon follow it up? No. You know, I have struggled over years, almost 40 years now, I've been doing this work. When you look at the scripture, the Bible says, raise up a child in the way he should go, so that when he grows up, he will never depart from it. And other people will say, the right translation of that scripture is train up every child according to his own way. I said, no, I disagree with that. The Bible said that foolishness abounds in the heart of a child. You cannot train a child in his own way. Some child children are very, very manipulative. Some of them are very, very disobedient. You cannot just allow them to have their ways. So you have to. What did God say to Abraham. God said to Abraham, I know my servant Abraham, that he will command his children. He said, command. He said, you're going to command the children to do what? To follow me. Solomon walked away from all these things his father advised him to do. Today, if you're a child of God, a young man, a young woman, a father or a mother, what is our relationship with God? David did not only warn Solomon about or giving Solomon only wise wisdom. He also warned him about the enemies. In 1 Kings 2, verse 5 to 7, it says, Now yourself you know what Joab, son of Zeruah, did to me. What he did to the two commanders of Israel, armies." Abner, son of Neh, and Amasa, son of Jeddah. He killed them, shedding their blood in the peacetime as if in the battle. And with that blood, he stained the belt around his waist. He said, deal with him according to your wisdom. Do not let his gray hair go down in peace, but show kindness to Bezaliah of Gilead and let them be among those who eat at your table. They stood with me when I fled from your brother Absalom. You see, David was warning his son again, be careful about the enemies. We have enemies today in the world. And the enemies we have today is even far greater than the enemy Solomon saw. In his own time, it takes a culture to change a culture. If you want that picture there, that woman there, you see the one with the arrow, that's the woman there. That is Mary Lesser. That was a, Scot- a Scottish woman who was born in UK who came to Nigeria. During the time when Nigeria was killing, practicing the culture of killing the slaves. Or killing the twins, sorry. And so this was a time when this woman came. A woman who was raised in a poor family came to Nigeria. She was a Presbyterian missionary. And when she came there, she began to pray. God opened her eyes and gave her wisdom. She found herself walking in the midst of people who were in government. From there, God gave this woman the wisdom. She began to speak and train and teach Nigerians that twin babies is a blessing. You can't kill them. That was how killing of twins, that was the woman who stopped that culture. God gave her a voice. God gave her wisdom. She came in the entire culture and changed the culture of that nation through the wisdom of God. If that was still in practice when I was born, my mom would be killed. I would be killed because I was a twin. But that was the woman who stopped killing of the twins. She died in Nigeria. She buried in Nigeria. As leaders of our church here. It is our duties, it is our civic responsibilities to continue to warn the fathers, to continue to warn the mothers, to continue to warn the younger ones, boys and girls, our neighbors, about the judgment of God. About people who want to live against God's will. It is our duty. David warned Solomon about the enemies. We have three enemies. Quickly, if you go to John, first, John chapter 2, verse 16, there are three enemies there. One is the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eye, and then the pride of life. The Bible says what is in the world is the loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh, and the pride of life. These are the three giants we have in our time. And if you don't take them serious, they will take you down. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 22, Jesus says, "The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness and leads to worldly action. We have enemies today, these three enemies in our time. And they manifest themselves in a different way. Let me show you about four ways these three enemies manifest in our homes, in our societies, in our culture. One is what? Entertainment. Entertainment is a great enemy in our culture today. I told you last week. Two young, a boy and a girlfriend was in the house. The house was almost burning. They never knew the house was on flame until the neighbor called out the people who owned the house. They were running home when they got home. The fire people were already there. The boy and the girl in the room never knew the part of the house was almost on fire. What were they doing? They were on video games. Entertainment is a disease. It's like a cancer. Walking and killing our young men and even the fathers and even the mothers equally. The second one, social media. Those of us who are drawn into that, what you are posting on the Internet and what you're reading there matters. You are a godly man. You are a godly woman. You are a child of God. What you say matters. What you write matters. Where you go matters. Your friends matters. You are a child of God. The Bible says we are not of the world. The loss of the eye. Third one drugs and alcohol. It's been killing. These are wildfire. Going and Spreading everywhere in our society. These are the manifestation of these three enemies. The number four, fashions, madness. Fashion madness. And people may think, what has fashion to do? Fashions. We're warning our children today about the fashions we see today. Kind of thing people wear. Did you see that there? That is a brand new garment store. That thing is in the store. This thing is in the store. I can't imagine. As a child of God, as a citizen of heaven, as ambassador of Christ, born again child of God. I can't imagine after washing windows for 30 days, the money God gave to me, I need to change a clothes. And I go to store and I buy something like that to wear. What does that mean? What message does that send out? I see even older people, moms and dads, wearing rags. In Nigeria, they say, the only way you know a madman is the way he dresses. If you dress this way in Africa, they will know you're a madman. You are crazy. You are insane. I'm not kidding. You dress this way, people will be running away from you because this is the way. It's a rag. But people will spend money going to store. The only thing they will buy is this. Those of us who work in a company, companies have dress code rules, the way you have to dress, something you need to wear, something you don't have to wear. Why? They want to make sure when you come to work, you look decent. Let's assume I'm a banker. I am handling your money. And you come to bank every day, you see me this way. What? What is this crazy guy doing here? Is he going to take my money and run? No, you want to dress well when you walk. Let's assume you are going to meet the President of the United States. Can you dress this way? You can't. But sometimes, we dress this way. Go around. Even sometimes, come to church. With the mind. It doesn't matter. Come on. It matters. Because it is what is your mind you are showing outside. The way you dress reflects the thought of your mind. In Proverbs chapter seven verse ten, he said, "Behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot, with a subtle heart." Why did the Bible give that phrase? When a prostitute or a harlot dresses, she dresses to attract. You can see her bodies just attract man or attract a woman, whatever. And so the proverb said, I saw a woman or a man who dressed like what? A prostitute. You are not a prostitute. You are not a harlot. You are a citizen of heaven. You are a candidate of heaven. You are ambassadors of Christ. You are a child of God. What you dress matters. What you wear matters. In the public place, in open place, it matters. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 tells us it says, For the fight, for we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Every fashion you see, it's like a remote. All of us have remote. You sit in your room, you use your remote, kick him, kick him, kick him, kick him. You continue to see new things in your TV. Every fashion you see, there is somebody somewhere, you don't see him, that has a remote. And most of all these people are people who are satanists. People who are possessed by the spirit of lust. Only what it takes is maybe one kind of crazy guy, a man or a woman. It could be, haven't you thought about some of all these electronics and gadgets we use today? Most people who founded them were people who dropped out from college. People who left schools, they couldn't stay in the college. They left, and they went into a place. The devil said, welcome. I can use your brain. Produce this thing. Produce this weapon. Produce this dress. Produce that dress. Produce it. And then wear it and parade along the street. People will see it and say, this is the new model. This is the new design. And we begin to buy them and we begin to pursue them. The Bible says that the things of God are spiritual. I don't want to take you far into the spiritual world, but I want to tell you, spiritual world, there are powers, just like you have government in the physical world, you have president, you have governors, you have counselors. In the spiritual world, we have same hierarchies. What are their duties? To destroy to destroy me to destroy you to destroy the church and it is very very easy if we lack wisdom the wisdom of God I'm going to pray with you right now before I pray there was a story in the Bible the book of John chapter 11 verse 28 the Bible tells us about a young lady called Mary and Martha. They have their brother called Lazarus. Lazarus got sick, and they sent Jesus to come and heal Lazarus. And Jesus didn't go right away. It didn't take a time. Lazarus died. And then Jesus finally shows up. When Jesus came, the Bible says he didn't go inside. Martha came to him and said, Master, Master, if you were here, my brother Lazarus couldn't have died. Jesus said to him, I am here. I am the resurrection and life. Do you believe that your brother Lazarus can live again? He said, oh, Master, he will live in the future. Jesus said, That's not what I'm asking you. I said, Now your brother Lazarus can come back to life. Why Martha was talking this? She ran inside and called her sister Mary and said, Mary, the Master has come, is calling for you. That is my word to you this morning. The Master has come and is calling for you. The Master of life. The master of depression, the master of fear, the master of marriage breakdown, the master has come, and his name is Jesus, the lion tribe of Judah, the one who died. The Bible says, on the third day, God raised him back to life. That master is here this morning, and he's calling you. If you don't know Jesus this morning, he's calling you. Are you willing to give your life to him? Bow down your head, i prayer, Our Father and our God, we thank you this morning. You are the master, you are here. We ask you, Lord, is there anyone here this morning who does not know you? We ask that Jesus will touch that life. You are the master of life. You die on the cross for my sin. And the sins of the whole world. So Lord, touch that life this morning. That your name may be glorified. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen. Open your eyes. I want to thank you again. I want you to invite your friend to come next week. I thought I'm going to finish this teaching, but I'm only handling one of it. I need the wisdom, you need wisdom. So may the Lord bless you. Thank you.
0: for another message on wisdom um it is about 1105 and uh i think i'm just going to close us in prayer unless we have is there any pressing prayer needs anybody okay why don't i pray for our Sue? oh jack Praise the Lord. How many crosses did you have, Jack? Only 2500 crosses. Okay. Oh. Okay, well let me um, let me close us in prayer, and I'll pray for our soup as well. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this time that we've had to uh, just praise your name, Lord, and and uh, just worship you and and hear your word spoken, God, and hear a message on wisdom, Lord. And just uh, it's apparent to all of us, God, that there's uh, voices out there, Father, that are are trying to distract us from you, God, and and they can um, they can seem. Um, harmless lord they can they can come in the form of an ipad even father and, and we just pray for wisdom god and how to how to live this life uh totally dedicated and devoted to you father and uh, we just thank you for churchill and his heart and uh, his message today god and for the music uh, we just pray that that was uh, pleasing to you lord we pray for our soup now god that it would just be a, um, just a a good chance of fellowship and and friendship and and uh, sharing with one another, God, but also a chance to help our missionaries, Father. And uh, we just thank you again so much for this day. And uh, I pray that you would uh, just bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, thank you all, and we'll see you down there.